Amen. Thank you, band. That was awesome. I can't imagine what I could possibly add to that, but buckle up. I'm going to try. All right. All right, we are first, welcome everyone. I'm so glad that you made your way out here this evening through the smoky haze today. I'm not sure, do we get to blame Canada for this or what? Like, I don't know. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. Uh, my name is Amanda. I'm the discipleship director here at Hope Des Moines. And so we are beginning a new sermon series this week. It's going to go through the month of May, and it is called, as you can see, Holy Days in May. Uh, and this is kind of, a, kind of an interim before we get into summer. And I think it's awesome. It's the perfect timing because it feels like May ends up being such a crazy month. There's just seems like out of nowhere all these things come up. And if we don't have external forces that are putting expectations on us and making us busy, then we do it to ourselves, right? Because we want to get outside and enjoy the weather. We want to experience uh, springtime in Iowa before the dog days and the heat of summer. And so we tend to make May a little bit crazy, whether it needs to be or not. So this idea of holy days in May, I love this idea of just kind of slowing down and reconnecting our heart with God's heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that's what we are going to be talking about today. Now, of course, I want to say one more time to all of the women who are here today, happy Mother's Day. Uh, it's a big weekend. I know this may be one of the weekends that causes stress and anxiety for some of us. I know that this can be a wonderful, joyful weekend, and it can also be one that is mixed with just different emotions for many of us. And so I want to acknowledge that. Um, I have a friend who last Mother's Day um, really was mourning the loss of a, a baby whose uh, body was not made for this world. Um, and then this Mother's Day is celebrating with uh, a baby that is just a couple of weeks old. And uh, I think that that just exemplifies and really just shows us the, the range of emotions um, that can happen on a, on a weekend like this. And so I want to honor that regardless of where you are and regardless of, of what this holiday brings up for you. Um, we will have prayer partners after the service, and so I'd encourage you to take advantage of that if you would like to. And it's also my hope that after today's message, uh, you will think of prayer maybe a little bit differently than you did when you walked in. Now, if your responsibilities are preaching and then you know that it's Mother's Day, you know that there's a certain expectation that there will be some sort of a video component to the sermon. And so you are tasked with coming up with a video that both honors motherhood and honors women, but also kind of speaks universally to all of us. And uh, so I was working on this earlier this week. I was sitting at my computer and I had my headphones in and uh, Jamie, our Hope Kids coordinator, was here that day. And like I said, I had my headphones in so she couldn't hear anything, but she looks over at me and I'm either alternately bawling like a small child or laughing out loud. And again, she couldn't hear what was happening, but I think she was a little worried about, about how I was handling all of this. So all of that to say, you may need a tissue-ish, and I'm sorry for that, um, but this speaks universally, I think, when we make it to the end, speaks universally to all of us. So check it out. All right, sorry about that. I watched it several times this week several times so that I could get through it. <laughs> but 
The truth for all of us in that video is did you hear how the moms focus in on what, is, what, they're not, what they're not getting right in their perception, how they wish they could be more of this or more of that? And um, I think all of us, human beings sitting here today, can totally understand that and totally know that while we notice what where we feel we are falling short, it's the people who love us who might have something different to say about us than we would have to say about ourselves. Because I get it, I wish I was more patient, I wish I didn't yell, I wish I was more gentle. Um, and yet, when my kids look at me, um, they, well Ava pointed out that I've never taken her to get her nails done, but whatever, that's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the people who love us notice what is good in us and they notice the things that we are doing and the ways that we are serving. And it is actually true, the same is true with our Heavenly Father who knows us and sees the person that he created for us to be. And instead of being critical of the things that are wrong with us and the ways that we are not measuring up, our Heavenly Father says, yeah, I get that, so this is why I gave you the Holy Spirit. I gave you the Holy Spirit to guide you, and I gave you the Holy Spirit to walk with you and help you grow in character because it is God's goal for each of us that we develop more and more the character of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And so this is, kind of brings us to what we heard read today in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 and 23. Uh, we heard today where Paul listed off the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You don't spend nine years doing children's ministry and not be able to rattle those off. It's just kind of part of the thing. So, so the fruits of the Spirit. And so we have this kind of perception of the fruits of the Spirit as a children's story or a children's lesson. Uh, we get to somehow relate watermelons to self-control, and I don't really know what that has to do with anything, but uh, that's what we do. So there's this idea of the fruits of the Spirit as a really good Sunday school lesson, and there's also this idea of the fruits of the Spirit as like a really nice print to put on your wall, and it sounds really great. But sometimes we're not really too sure of what it actually has to do with our faith. And why would Paul talk about the fruits of the Spirit? And so when I think about this, I think about the Gospel of John in John chapter 15. And Jesus was teaching in that chapter, and he was telling the disciples and others who were listening that, that he is the vine, and his father is the gardener. And his father cuts off any branch that doesn't produce fruit. And so I don't know about you, but for a long time, and it had to do with the tradition that I was raised in, that I understood the fruit that we were to produce was to um, go out and get new believers right, to evangelize and, and to turn people to Jesus. And so again, like I said, I grew up in a tradition where um, asking someone if they were born again was a perfectly appropriate way to begin a conversation, right? You didn't even necessarily have to know their name because if they said yes, they were, there really wasn't anything else to talk about because it was your job to get onto the person who wasn't born again because that was the fruit that you needed to produce. And so for a long time, this whole thing was like, whoa, I'm not producing fruit. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I can't count on my hand how many people have been converted to Jesus, so maybe I'm not producing fruit. It was kind of overwhelming, kind of scary place to be in. 
But as we think about this idea of fruit a little bit more, it's pretty clear that what Jesus was at least partly talking about was this fruit that we are called to produce has to do with the characteristics that Paul is talking about later in Galatians. Certainly telling others about the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ is an important and we need to do that. But what we forget, what we can't forget, is that we are not able to do that at all if the Holy Spirit is not growing in us love and forgiveness and gentleness and faithfulness. So when Jesus is talking about producing fruit, he's almost certainly, at least to a certain extent, talking about developing these characteristics like love and joy and self-control. And so the Father is looking for people who are surrendered to the Spirit and developing in those characteristics. So when we think about the fruits of the Spirit that way, I think another way to look at it, instead of like a nice fruit centerpiece or something like that, maybe another way to look at it is to compare it to a Christmas tree or a fruit tree. And so the Christmas tree, think about this. The Christmas tree, even if it started out as a live tree, which I don't want to have a debate about live or plastic, whatever, that's up between you and Jesus. And I have an opinion, but it doesn't matter. So, but anyway, whether it's plastic or whether it started out as a real tree, it doesn't matter. By the time it makes it to your living room, even if it started out alive, by the time it's in your house, it is a dead tree. And you can dress it up, and we can put whatever we want on it, and we can have themed trees, and we can make it for our kids, or we can make it match a room, or we can do whatever we want with it. But it will not change the fact, at the end of the day, what you have is a dead tree in your living room, right? It's all externally dressed up. Beautiful, but dead. On the other hand, you have a fruit tree that is just beautiful in a different way. And the reason that the fruit tree is beautiful is because it is doing exactly what it was created to do, which is to produce fruit in a certain time and in a certain season. If the internal health of that tree, if it's no good, there will not be a crop that season so, thinking about that, if you were here a couple weeks ago, uh, we were in Galatians 5, 13 through 16, right? And we talked about how some of the Jewish Christian leaders had come into the town of Galatia, and they were teaching a version of the gospel that was Jesus and, if you remember, Jesus and the law, Jesus and all of these other things. And Paul was saying to them then, as he continues on later in chapter 5 that we heard read this evening, Paul is saying, Jesus and is not freedom at all. Uh, none of this, none of these things that the people were adding on to it had nothing to do with the grace of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, or Paul was saying, just accept the work that the Spirit wants to do in you. But Paul's a smart guy, and he knows what the people are thinking. And, you know, it's kind of this idea of, well, if I don't do X, Y, Z, then how are people ever really going to know that I'm a Christian? And Paul spends a lot of, a lot of his time in, in Galatians, particularly in chapter 5, talking about the works of the flesh versus, versus the works of the Spirit. And much of the work of the flesh is just the stuff that is our idea, right? That we are uh, going for. So when we think about the 
the idea of earning our salvation, which is so easy for us to do, or if we think about the idea of just cheap grace and doing whatever we want, those are the works of the flesh. But Paul is driving us down the middle of the road towards the works of the Spirit. And so Paul is saying, it's not earning it and it's not free over here, but it is letting the Spirit change you and work in you to grow you in your character to be more and more like Jesus Christ. To not be the dead tree with twinkling lights that looks really great, but to be the blossoming fruit tree that is uh, following through and doing what it was created to do. So we can hear that, and we can think, you know, I, I, hear, I hear that, but I'm thinking about, I'm thinking like the women in that video, and I'm thinking about all of the ways that I'm not measuring up then to these, these uh, fruits, these results that Paul is talking about that are gifts from the Spirit. I tried to be more patient once. I... I tried, and of my own effort, I realized I, was, I wasn't able to do that. So I think that actually, I think God's ignoring me. I think is what happening is what ha- is happening. Or the other thing we do is, you know what? I tried to be more gentle with people, but here's the deal. I do not have a lot of time, and I do not have time to sugarcoat things for people who really should just be able to understand it and get it. So honestly, the problem I saw... Oh. <laughs> I'm seeing shoulders being rubbed. The problem is not with me. The problem is with everybody else. Everybody else really just needs to toughen up. Because it's not me. It's just the way I am. It's just how God made me. God knows how God made me. It's really not that big of a deal. And so either of those, if, if you've experienced either of those, like I just, I, can't, I try. I just, I've been trying so hard. I've been trying so hard. Or I'm done trying. But if you're somewhere in the middle of those and you're like, I don't know, I'm sure that I can experience these characteristics more. I'm sure that there's growth that I can be able to do, but I don't know how to get there. My question for you, gently, because I love you, how's, how's your prayer life going? Because the truth of the matter is, <laughs> without being connected, to our creator so that we can be infused by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do any of these things. These are the fruits, the results of the Holy Spirit. Now, if impatience is one of your things, I've just made you really, really mad because I've reminded you um, here so far that of your impatience, and I've also told you that the way to work around that and have help with that is to like sit down and pray probably three times a day for 20 minutes. Right? So if impatience is a problem for you, I'm sorry. Um, And that's not exactly what I'm going to be talking here about with prayer. Because the truth of the matter is, just take a second and just look around at the folks in the room here tonight. Just look around. Just look around, right? We physically have different characteristics. Yes? We physically look different from one another. And yet... We are all made in the image of God. And so, why do we think that when we pray, it should look just like the way our friend prays? Or why should it look just like the way the uh, pastor prays? Or why should it look like anything that we've seen before? Because 
Why would we put that pressure on ourselves? Because we are unique people created by our Heavenly Father. If you were to ask five different people, and I think this is kind of where some of the frustration can land sometimes, if we were to ask five different people what is prayer, it is entirely likely that you would get five slightly different answers and every single one of them would have maybe a grain of truth to it because we are unique, we are created differently and created to communicate with God differently. But fundamentally, prayer is ultimately communication with God. And it may involve bringing your requests to God, it may involve listening to God's voice, or it may involve lifting up others and their requests and what it is that they are asking for. But at the end of the day, what prayer ultimately will do with time is it gets our priorities lined up with God's priorities. Uh, Timothy Keller wrote an excellent book on prayer. If you want to get a pen and write it down, the title is Prayer. Uh, I would encourage you to check it out. It's a wonderful book. But he talks about, he takes this idea that actually came from Augustine, and he talks about how prayer aligns our loves with God's loves. Because when we start out, and until the day we die, our first love, our natural tendency, is to love ourselves. And when we get comfortable with prayer and line our priorities up with God's priorities, God will reorder those loves so that God gets to be the first love. Not because God's a bully and needs it, but as our creator, as one who loves us more profoundly than we can ever imagine, God knows that it's only when we line up our loves with his that we really begin to experience um, closeness and and a fullness of our relationship with him. So in this book, um, Timothy Keller talks about an author named Flannery O'Connor. If you study literature at all, you have probably heard of her. Uh, she is uh, a, famous, a famous author. In 1946, she studied at the University of Iowa Writers' Workshop. Here's the thing. What O'Connor was struggling with, she said that she couldn't stand the idea of being a mediocre author, of being a mediocre writer. She couldn't stand that idea. But she had to admit that at that time, that's really what she was, was just an author trying to realize her potential, but that she was nowhere there yet. And she realized instinctively, I would say by the power of the Holy Spirit, but she realized that in order to experience who she was going to be as a writer, she was going to need to line her love for herself and her own success up with God's priorities and God's loves. And if she wanted to be successful as a writer, she was going to have to let go of it and let God be her first love. And so she wrote in her journal uh, the words that are up on the screen, Dear God, I cannot love thee the way I want to. You are the slim crescent of a moon that I see and myself is the earth's shadow that keeps me from seeing all the moon. What I am afraid of, dear God, is that my self-shadow will grow so large that it blocks the whole moon. I do not know you, God, because I am in the way. She doesn't sound particularly mediocre there, does she? She hits the nail on the head that prayer, over time, 
gets us out of the way and allows the Holy Spirit to do the work in us that God had planned for us all along when we were set free from sin. We have all been gifted differently. Uh, writers, administrators, artists, gifts of hospitality. But the one thing that the Spirit does in each of us is to develop this Christ-like character. So that no matter what the rest of our gifts are, we are growing in character to Jesus Christ so that God can use us for his kingdom so that we can get out of the way and allow God to do with us what God intended for each of us from the very beginning. Uh, here at Hope, we are blessed to have a care team that is passionate about prayer. Um, and uh, so I've asked my friend Molly, who's also our amazing Cajon player tonight, to come up and talk with, um, talk with us a little bit about what prayer is. And so Molly, I'll ask you to come on up and I'll grab a couple stools. <laughs> Stools make sense when you're, I don't know. Anyway, you're about to watch two of God's shortest women ever get up on a stool so that we can touch. <laughs> we joked about I'd lift her up and then she could pull me up, but anyway, we made it. Step one. All right, good deal. <laughs> so, Molly, uh, yes. tell us a little bit about how you got started in prayer. Um, well, it started... Actually, I uh, was pretty fortunate that both of my parents and um, my mom's set of parents as well believed in God wholeheartedly, and they really believed in prayer. Um, that was something that always, always go to prayer. I remember being very little, and we always had family nights. Family nights were every night. It was the end of the time, once supper was over, everyone on the couch. <laughs> this addressed everything of the day. My parents were like, how was your day? What's going on? We'd spend a little time hashing that out. If it was, Molly, did you say this to your sister? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. And we gave each other hugs. Kind of everybody on the same page that night. And then we'd all turn around, kneel, and then we'd each pray. When we were little, it was kind of one of those things where you could see how many squeezes you can get to the other person, or all of a sudden you just feel a hand on your leg. And I'm like, that's not my sister or my brother's hand. That's my dad's hand. Okay, I got to focus. Um, so when we were little, it was kind of one of those things where we just did it. It became this routine. We knew we had to do this. Um, the older I got, I remember those nights began to be cherished, just because it was a time where I could sit down and I knew my parents wanted to know what was going on in my life, but more importantly, they knew who could take care of everything in my life. Mm -hmm. um, they knew that there'd be moments where they couldn't be there with me, so who were they gonna be talking to? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure all my high school days, even now, there's many moments I know my parents were praying for me. Mm -hmm. um, I remember my grandparents as well. They were exactly the same. We get done with school, and my grandma especially would sit us down. She'd say, all right, how are you feeling about today? And I would just start talking about <coughs> what happened that day. This person said this, or this class was like this, or you would not believe the spike I got in volleyball today, grandma. <laughs> and we'd talk about it for a while, and then she would say, Molly, have you prayed about any of that today? Chances were usually it was, no, grandma, I'm telling you about it. She's <laughs> like, do you want to take time to pray about it? So... For me, it was something that I was able to watch um, people in my life model that every day. Um, to this day, sometimes I'll call my mom, start talking, and she'll pause and she'll say, Molly, have you prayed about this today? Mm. 
Sometimes I'll be like, yes, I have, and now I just need to tell you about it because <laughs> I want you to hear what God did today. Other days I'm like, ah, I haven't. Um, so for me, it's a constant reminder that I like to vent. I like to tell people what's happening and hash out my emotions. But at the same time, I constantly remind myself of as much as I vented to my friend about the situation at work, have I actually vented that to God? Have mm -hmm. I told God what was happening in my heart? Um, and so it's kind of, can still feel my grandma's shoulder squeezing <laughs> Molly. <laughs> so it's kind of where it started. I um, am very blessed to have yeah. parents that believed in prayer. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. so as an adult, <clears throat> would you describe that your prayer rhythm is more of something where you set aside time, or would you say that your prayer rhythm is more kind of organic and is kind of an ongoing dialogue with God? How would you define it? Or is it both? I'd say both. I don't like to be put in a box. So, so you know, like people mm -hmm. are like, you're type A or you're type B. Some mm -hmm. days I'm type A in my prayer. That meaning I like to have like a pattern or something I go through that could be a book or that could be, sometimes I go through, there's different um, models. I've used acts before, which is like adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Um, there's been seasons in my life where I'll use that and journal. Yeah. I don't like to journal a lot, usually mm -hmm. one sentence. So if you read my journals, you'll get a one sentence and be like, what was the rest of the story? Um, but it's a way for me to kind of look back and be like, wow, like this was something I was really struggling with for a long time that's not there anymore. Mm, or yeah. something I was really thankful for, it reminded me, I'm just like, wow, I used to be thankful for that and I haven't really thought about that in a long time. Or I've been praying for this person, this person, and I've been praying them for a whole year and maybe it's been two years and all of a sudden I start looking back and seeing, wow. God, you answered that and then you answered that and you answered that. And so it's kind of a reminder for me. Um, so I would say I journal a lot of my prayers. One sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap up. Yeah. Um, so for those of you that don't know Molly, she is a nurse um, at the VA hospital, correct? Yes. Um, and how long have you been doing that? Um, just over two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So as someone who just gives of themselves over and over, um, how, what does prayer mean to you in that space? I can tell the days I don't pray. Mm. <laughs> Patience, those things that come up, um, sometimes can be very, very thin. I would say something that prayer has changed my work environment dramatically is the fact that it's not necessarily some of the words I say, but my actions. Mm. Um, I know we can't share a ton of our faith at work. It's just something that I can't just like walk into a room and be like, I'm going to pray for you right now. Mm -hmm. Just, um, but there's times where some of these veterans will ask me a question um, and I'll sit with them and we'll kind of talk. Sometimes it's, it's a time for me to remind myself of whose I am uh. and then being able to remind them. Some of them are uh, without hope. Some of them um, have weeks to live maybe. Some of them might have a few years to live maybe. Um, and still telling them that they're worthy, that they have value, that there is hope. Um, quick story, a couple weeks ago I had a patient um, he had a few weeks to live um, unless um, some things happened. And I was taking care of him and we needed to rush him to a different hospital. And I remember taking his hand and I had gotten to know him. He had been there quite a few times. And I just looked him in the eyes and I said, I want to know that you're worth it. Whatever is going to happen and that I believe in miracles 
And he looked at me and he goes, Molly, I do too. And he's like, I believe that there is a God. And I said, I know there is a God. And I'm going to be praying for you. I, that was back in like November. Um, about three weeks ago, I'm going through my day. Um, and all of a sudden I hear Molly Myers I, like, look around, I'm like, okay, like, Jesus, you know, like, this God, do I hear God's audible voice? Nope, <laughs> human being. I was like, okay, turn around. It is this patient standing up. I had never seen oh him really walk. Wow. Um, he had, he looked at me, and he said, Molly, do you believe in miracles? And I said, you're standing. And he started telling me about his process of being rushed to this hospital and everything that had to happen. And this man shouldn't have lived. I have seen this a lot of times in this hospital and this man shouldn't have lived and yet he was standing in front of me and saying, Molly, there's many of times where I thought, I think I'm done. I think I cannot fight anymore. And I remember your words saying, you know there's a God and you believe in miracles and you believe in prayer. And I would repeat that to myself. Mm. And I want to thank you for reminding me of who I am and that I'm worth it. And so even with those stories, those are the things I go back on, on the days where I'm just like, ah, ah. no one else have those days? Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. <laughs> That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. So as the leader of our prayer team and as someone who has worked with a lot of folks, if someone is trying to get in a, to develop their prayer life, they're just trying to get started, what would, you, what would your advice be? What would your suggestion be? you like a routine get a journal and just kind of keep that and do it every day I know it's something if it's five minutes start with five minutes a day you don't I'm not gonna go outside and run a marathon right now I'll start with mm -hmm. one mile you would mm -hmm. hurt yourself um, don't set yourself up like that start with five minutes do that every day for a month um, if you have a commute to work it's a great time. I pretend Jesus is sitting right beside me sometimes on the way to work. I'm like, okay, me and you, Jesus, today. This is what needs to happen. Um, if you're someone that just kind of has that thoughts throughout the day, um, I'm constantly just in my thoughts talking to Jesus and thinking about things or um, praising him or thanking him. Um, it's something uh, some people really do well with music. Right, right. You can listen to a song, journal about it. Yeah, I would say if you're a routine person, keep at it. Also, I'm not a very good routine person, but I still mm -hmm. have to be like, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. So I'd say those are two things that I have done. Um, you can pick up journals. You can pick up um, books. Also have really great prayer, different things um, as well. Absolutely. So. I like to walk, so I'll pray a lot on my walks because I, I struggle to sit and just be still for an amount of time, and I don't I'm not necessarily a journaler either. Um, I just, that doesn't work well for me, but when I'm walking, kind of the rhythm of my footsteps even uh, is very helpful in establishing that kind of dialogue and communication, so that's something that I do as well, so yeah. 
Cool. So, like I said, Molly is part of our prayer team, and we, from time to time around here, offer classes like Let Prayer Change Your Life, uh, different things like that. And so, um, when we get closer to the fall and we launch our fall classes, I'd encourage you to keep your eyes out for different prayer opportunities that uh, Molly uh, will likely have at least had a hand in if she's not directly a part of it. And so, if you ever have any questions about prayer, I have a feeling that Molly would be happy to talk with you about it. Yep, absolutely. Let's tell Molly thank you. Thank you, dear. <laughs> so, like you heard uh, Molly say, she, you know, Molly's life um, and her parents and her, the legacy their family has given her is such a wonderful, wonderful blessing. I, and this is fitting on Mother's Day, I guess, I will tell anyone that um, I think that that anything that I've accomplished um, and anything in my spiritual life and the fact that I'm standing here in front of you right now, I contribute a large proportion of that to grandmothers who prayed for me, who prayed for me and my siblings and my cousins. Um, so that's just a little extra there, I guess. We don't usually begin our walk knowing how to pray. And often when we are getting started in it, it can feel very awkward. Talking to ourselves always feels a little bit awkward. I was at home and I was uh, practicing uh, my sermon a little bit today and one of my kiddos was home and she was just playing her video game on her phone and I said, honey, could you please go to the other room because I'm going to be talking to myself. And she says, I don't listen to you anyway. <laughs> yes. So, okay, there you go. But prayer, prayer is the exact opposite of that. Uh, God is listening. God is going to show up. Here's the thing. It's exactly it. We need to get over any awkwardness because God is going to show up. When you pray with an open heart and you're really seeking to align your loves with God's loves, God is going to bless that. And it's probably not going to happen on your timeline. It's probably not going to happen in the way that you think it should or could. It's going to line up the way God knows that it can and it should. And I want to promise you something. What God has in plan is way bigger than anything that you've been able to think of on your own. God's going to show up in powerful ways. And the truth is, the fact that God is going to show up so powerfully makes one of the things that we do so unfortunate. How many times do we hang on to something so tight and try to do it ourselves, and finally at the end we say, you know what, I just threw up my hands, I didn't know what else to do, so I prayed about it. Anybody ever been there? And I'm so glad that by then you were able to pray about it, but don't wait until it's your last resort. Prayer should always be our first resort. So listen, if you are a, a young person and you are in school and you wanna have good friendships throughout junior high and high school and college, start now, kids, praying for those friendships. If you are an older uh, uh, kiddo, you're still somebody's kiddo, you're unmarried, you're not married yet, you don't have children of your own, be praying for the person that you believe God is bringing to you. Be praying that God is working on your future spouse and developing their faith right now. Be praying for the children that you hope to have someday, that God would increase in their increase them in their faith from the moment they are able to. If you are married and you would say that your marriage is going pretty good, that's wonderful, but be praying for your spouse before it runs off 
the rails. I think one of the most powerful prayers that we can pray for our spouses is, God, help me love my spouse the way you love them. And that isn't a, oh my goodness, what are we going to do kind of prayer. That is a maintenance prayer. Help me love my spouse the way you love them. Because when we pray that prayer, do you know what we're doing? We are lining our loves up with God's loves. And God will bless that. Pray for your friendships. Pray for your life groups. Not when it's so bad that you don't know what else to do, but as a way of saying thank you to God for what's happening now as a way to call on that same power that raised Jesus from the dead to be present and active in your life. Because that same God who raised Jesus from the dead is not ambivalent about you growing closer to character in Christ. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead cares very much that you continue to become closer and closer to the character that he created for you by lining your loves up with God's loves. Honestly, it would be my prayer for you today that as you walk out of here, you be just a little bit uncomfortable. That you walk out of here today thinking, you know what, God, I have not been willing to line my loves up with yours. I have been holding on to that. I invite you today to just admit that and be honest about it and say, God, it's, it's scary, but I'm ready to let you show up. I am ready to line my loves up with yours. Um, I'm going to invite the rest of the band to come up, and we are going to uh, sing. Before we leave today, we're going to sing uh, No Longer Slaves. This is a favorite song of mine, and I know that it's probably a favorite of many of yours as well. And honestly, as we sing this song, like Molly said, so many times we can pray over the words of a song. And I pray for you that these words today would, would just hit you, would just make you a little uncomfortable. The very first line of the song is, you unravel me with the melody. Be willing to let God unravel you. You have nothing to be afraid of because you, you are a loved son or daughter of the most high God. That is not a small thing. And that same power that rose Jesus Christ is available to each and every one of us. So please stand and we will continue with song.